0: You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll be starting at verse 7 and going down to the end of the chapter. And we'll be looking at what that portion of Scripture speaks about living and leading with hope in Christ. So we'll be getting to that in just a few moments, but before we do, I wanted to tell you about just a couple quick things. Many of you have probably noticed, if you've checked out our website recently, that we've made some updates. It's kind of a work in progress all the time. But some of the updates we've made to the website include the uh, book section, Getting Some Updates, We're also producing a newsletter, and you can see a link to the newsletter to sign up to receive it right on the front page. And we still have copies of The Last Lecture of Jesus, which is a book about the things that Jesus taught his disciples just prior to his crucifixion. And that's free to download a digital copy right on the front page of Pastor.us. So if you haven't visited our website in a while, I'd encourage you to stop over there, sign up for the newsletter if you'd like to receive that. This week I sent out three um, just updates during the course of the week related to spiritual health, emotional health, physical health, as it's outlined, particularly in Colossians chapter 1. And we're happy to send that out to you. We're also glad that people are enjoying copies of the last lecture of Jesus. I really like giving that away for free, and I can do that up until the point where it's locked into the digital library of Amazon.com, and I've purposely waited to submit it to them so that I can legally just give it away for free. And if you haven't had a chance to grab a copy yet, grab one. I think it'll be up there most of this week, and then we'll be submitting it very soon over to Amazon. But while it's free, enjoy a copy. It's our compliments. We're glad to send it to you. Just head over to pastor.us at some point, and you'll see everything that we're talking about. I also want to thank those of you that have taken the time to leave ratings and reviews for the podcast. I haven't mentioned that in the past few weeks. And um, just yesterday, I happened to go and check and see if there are any new comments or new ratings from any of our listeners. And I found a new one that was very encouraging. And so I wanted to uh, just acknowledge it. It's from, it looks like the, the username is Jack's Mom, but it's spelled J-A-C-H-S-M-O-M. And Jack's Mom says this. I'm new to podcasting. I enjoy listening to Christian teachings and advice. As a Christian myself, I'm always open for insight and growth in my relationship with Christ, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this podcast as I'm able to continue with my daily tasks while I'm listening. I also enjoy the personal stories about Pastor John's life, a great Bible learning experience for me. Thanks for your dedication. And then she says, my username is the first initials of my four children, in case you are curious. There is a fifth child, but she came along after email. And that made me curious. I was trying to figure out if this was someone that I knew, but I wasn't able to figure it out. So maybe maybe you're not someone I know in person, Jack's mom. But thanks for the nice review. I really appreciate it. And I want to do something nice for you as well. Uh, So Jack's mom, do me a favor. Send me an email from our website, pastor.us. There's a contact link at the top right of the page. And I want to send you a copy of one of my newer devotional books. It's called Desire Jesus. I'm going to give it to you free. Just let me know if you'd like a Kindle version or if you want a paperback and just tell me where to send that to. But I also want to make mention of one other thing before we get into today's teaching. I thought of this as I was reading this review from a mother who listens to this show, and my wife, Andrea, recently started hosting her own podcast. She asked me a couple months ago if I thought that mothers might enjoy a podcast about mothering and just the experiences that different moms have had and some of the insights and some of the uh, trials and funny things and all sorts of things like that that have happened to moms. And she asked me if I thought that might be something that moms would find appealing. And the truth is this. I thought it sounded appealing, but I also know that research says that the primary audience for podcasts is men. Isn't that strange? I don't know why that would be the case, but somewhere around, I think I've read somewhere around 75% of people who listen to podcasts are men. And so I told her that I thought it was a great idea but she might actually be the person who introduces a lot of mothers and women to the, the fun world of podcasting. So she gave it a shot, and I think she's about 10 episodes in. I just listened to one of her episodes yesterday. By the way, her podcast is called No Mom is an Island. So look that up. Her name's Andrea Stange. That's my wife. We have a tricky last name, but it's spelled S-T-A-N-G-E. And again, her podcast, No Mom is an Island. If you're a mom listening to this show, I think it's something that you'll probably enjoy listening to. So I thought I'd mention it and let you know that it's out there. And I have to tell you, I I listen to the episodes. I'm not a mom, although I have nurtured my children to some degree. Uh, But I love listening to the interviews and, and many of the people she's interviewed so far. Are people that we know personally, but now she's branching out into people that we don't know personally. And the interviews have been great. And you'll want to check out her interview of her sister, Mandy. That one I thought was pretty entertaining, and you'll probably enjoy it too. So now, as I mentioned at the start of our show today, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll be looking at verses 7 to 18. And this portion of scripture talks about this idea of living and leading with hope in Christ. And it's important that throughout the course of our lives that we maintain a sense of hope. I've been reading through the book of Job for the Chapter a Day audio Bible podcast, and right now as I record this episode, I'm still in the early chapters of the book of Job, and it's interesting as I've been going through uh, that book, watching Job go through the trials that he's going through, it's just been a reminder to me how much hope in Christ makes a difference in our lives when we're going through all kinds of experiences. So when we're living our day-to-day life, whether we're uh, just going about our normal routine or whether we're in a spot of leadership and trying to lead others to have an understanding of what it's like to live with hope in Christ, it's simply important to maintain hope and to trust Jesus, to recognize that He has a mission for us in the midst of all that we're going through. And in the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today, from 2 Corinthians 10, we can see that the Apostle Paul was emphasizing this kind of idea as well. So let me read for us today 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 7. This is what it states. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved but the one whom the lord commends let's pray lord we thank you for your word and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today and lord as we look at this portion of scripture from second corinthians chapter 10 we could see some of the the things that the apostle paul was Speaking to the Corinthian church about, we pray, Lord, that we would understand the importance of maintaining hope in you, and that as we live and as we lead, it would be with this perspective of trust and reliance in you, and not trust and reliance on our own flesh or our own strength. We know, Lord, that that was something that he was trying to communicate as important to the Corinthian church, but we also know that it was something that they were struggling to grasp, particularly uh, the group of people that was opposing Paul in that church. So Lord, as we look at these scriptures today, as we meditate on their content, we pray that you would speak to us, speak through us, help us to understand your word, and we pray that by your grace we would grow. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So a group of weeks ago, we started looking at the book of 2 Corinthians, and we've been going chapter by chapter throughout this book. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul shows us is that he's a person who has emotions just like the rest of us. It's a very emotional book. Some people, some theologians and writers consider this Paul's most emotional book in the New Testament. And so you can see that throughout the book. We certainly see it in this passage. We saw it in the passage we looked at last week as well. But we're also shown throughout this book that Christ's strength is sufficient for us in the midst of our human weaknesses. And I think that we see that idea conveyed in Paul's words in this chapter as well. Now, in the midst of all the things that the Apostle Paul is speaking of here, he gives us a few principles about what it looks like to live and lead with hope in Christ. And one of the things that he illustrates here, one of the things he basically directly says, is the idea that authority and influence, if the Lord gives you authority, or if the Lord gives you influence over other people, it should be used for building others up. Let me reread verses 7 and 8. This is what he says. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. If you ever want to gain a strong glimpse into someone's heart or character, do this. Give them authority. (laughs) Put them in charge of people, and you'll begin to see what they're really like. And the truth is, there are many people in this world that cannot handle authority. They either misuse it for personal gain, or they lord their opinions and preferences over those they're supposed to be leading. Many people forget that true leadership, when we really boil it down, at its heart is really about serving others and making decisions that are for the greater benefit or the greater good of the mission and those being served. As believers in Jesus Christ, we recognize that Jesus modeled true leadership for us. His compassion, humility, and his desire to sacrificially serve are things that we still rejoice over and we praise him for today. And when you look at this portion of Scripture, you can see that the Apostle Paul was trying to follow that example in his role of leadership. He wanted to lead in such a way that he modeled Christ's heart to the Corinthians and the other churches he had oversight of but this wasn't an easy task. There were false teachers in the Corinthian church that were trying to lead them astray, and they were also trying to gain followers for their own personal gain. That was an issue that was taking place at Corinth. And you have the actions and attitudes of these false teachers tearing people down in the Corinthian church. Have you ever had to endure people in a place of leadership that did that? It's not pleasant. I actually received a call not long ago from a friend who's currently dealing with something like this. And he called me to vent because apparently his boss keeps tearing him down and making it very difficult for him to do his job. And he feels like his boss just crushes his spirit and has nothing good to say about his efforts, even though the work he's doing has been very helpful to others and very helpful to the organization that he's serving in. Now, to one degree or another, we're all in a place of authority, and we're all in a place of influence, to one degree or another. You know, when you think about the people that you have influence over, or the people that listen to the things that you say. And the question for us is this, how are we using that influence? Are we being good stewards of it? What does Paul state as the reason the Lord gave him the authority that he had in regard to the Corinthian church? What he says here was that It was for the purpose of building them up in their faith in Christ, and not for destroying them. The false teachers were tearing them down. The false teachers were using them for dishonest gain. But Paul, on the other hand, was seeking to point them to Jesus and to challenge them to continue to press on towards spiritual maturity. Well, who is Christ using you to build up in the faith? And how's that going so far? And maybe a good follow-up question to ask in relation to that would be, what can we be doing to better assist those we have a role of influence over? Let me suggest a few things that I think are practical ways that we can assist those that we influence as they seek to grow in their walk with Christ. And the first principle is this, carve out time for them. If we don't carve out time for people, what are we doing? We're using all our time for ourselves, and we're minimizing our ability to actually be a positive influence in the life of those that we care about. Another thing that I think is useful to do is to notice their needs, and as you see their needs, attempt to meet them. Number three, I think it's important that we listen to them. So often, and I'm guilty of this certainly, but I think we all are to one degree or another, it's easy for us to talk instead of listen. It's much easier for us to talk sometimes but listen to those we're trying to build up. If anything, it'll give you a better idea of what to be praying about for them. Another thing that I think is practical is serve them with your hands. Sometimes we serve with our advice, whether that advice is truly desired or not, but serve them with your hands if you get the opportunity to do so. Something else, pray together with them, not just for them, but with them. I could tell you so many times throughout the course of my life, People have paused to pray with me, and it's made a huge difference in how I felt, and how I responded to adversity, and just my overall demeanor. Pray with those you're trying to build up in the faith. Another principle, share your struggles, not just your wins. You know, it's easy at times to share about our victories, and we don't want to share about our struggles. But share your struggles. Let people know that you're a human being too, and that you have to rely on Christ in the midst of your needs as well. Let me suggest two other things. Stay approachable. Be the kind of person that others can come to with questions. Don't be standoffish. And the last thing is this. Let your life and your words point to Christ. The things that you say, the way that you live, let it point to Christ. Your life can be a very useful tool in the Lord's hands as he seeks to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ through you. So who is Christ using you to build up in the faith? Make this kind of investment in them. Use your authority, use your influence to build them up. Now something else that the Apostle Paul addresses in this passage is this idea of comparison. And a principle we can glean from verse 12 is this. Christ is the standard of measurement and comparison. Look at verse 12. He says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. What robs a person's happiness quicker than anything? Typically, it comes down to comparison. What do we do? How does that work out in our lives? Well, We compare our appearance, our finances, our talents. We even compare the kind of opportunities that we have. And if someone's a little worse off than us, what do we do? Well, we selfishly feel better about ourselves, right? And if someone's further ahead than us, sometimes we get jealous or covetous. I even notice this sometimes when pastors get together. There's a tendency among pastors to compare ministries. We shouldn't do it, but inevitably we end up doing that sometimes. Now, thankfully, I had the opportunity earlier this week to gather together with a group of pastors, and thankfully, that experience was the opposite of that. It was led by a seasoned pastor, and it was attended by men who have hearts that are in the right place. And instead of it being a time where people were comparing themselves to one another, it ended up being a time where we made investments in each other's lives and in each other's ministries, and it was very edifying. But if we're really honest, We all have to admit that we've engaged in worldly comparisons. We've all done that from time to time, just like Paul addresses here in verse 12. Let me share two examples of that that I read about in an article earlier this week. I'm just going to read these things to you because I thought that they were interesting illustrations of the danger of making worldly comparisons. The first says this. It's a person's testimony. They said, last year we were able to build a new home it was quite an upgrade for us in terms of space and design. I love my new home. Like, really, really love it. It's nicer than I'd ever imagined. But we live in a neighborhood full of new homes, many of which are larger than ours. And as I walk into my neighbor's houses, it's really, really hard not to start thinking, wow, this laundry room is way bigger than mine. Or, you know, I really wish we'd been able to add a third car garage. Along with those thoughts comes a creeping, nagging feeling that maybe my new home isn't as great as I thought it was. And all of a sudden, comparison is beginning to steal my joy in my new house. My brand new house that I love and that is absolutely big enough and nice enough in every single way. What in the world is wrong with me? And then later in the article, this story is conveyed. She says, it's happened before, but this time it started with shoes, cute shoes, booties or wedges or whatever you want to call them. I found a great deal online and ordered a pair on a whim, making sure I could return them when they inevitably hurt my feet. But when they arrived, I was surprised to find that not only did they fit, they were cute and comfortable. I was a little unsure how this style looked on me. I'm not a long-legged gal. In fact, the term most people might use to describe my legs starts with thunder and ends with thighs. And I wondered if this style might make my legs look bigger. But in a moment of empoweredness, I decided I liked them anyway. In fact, I loved them. Yes, good. Until I went to my daughter's preschool Christmas program the next day and saw another mom wearing the exact same pair of shoes a mom that's at least six inches taller and 20, okay, maybe 30 pounds lighter than me. Her gorgeous slender legs just went on forever atop those adorable wedges, and suddenly I realized I could never wear my new shoes out of the house. They'd look absolutely ridiculous at the end of my short, stumpy legs. I went home, taped them back into their box, and returned them the next day. It was written by a blogger who goes by the name It's Always Autumn. And I thought, in light of what this scripture says about comparisons, that those were interesting examples, because we should admit to ourselves that comparing ourselves with one another is not only spiritually unhealthy, but it's also a sign of immaturity. But that's what some people were engaging in at Corinth, and Paul calls them out on it. He points out that there were some who were intent on commending themselves. They thought they were awesome. They were happy to receive praise. They were even happy to praise themselves. Their attitude reminds me of Herod in Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, verses 21 to 23, it says this, On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. That's the folly of praising ourselves. It's not God's design. Likewise, is it the Lord's desire for us that we torture ourselves with human comparisons? Should we be praising ourselves or degrading ourselves with that kind of activity? Of course not. Human comparison does one of two things. It either makes us proud, or it makes us bitter. There's one comparison that's helpful to make, however. Christ is the standard by which we should measure our lives. He is the one we should be copying and emulating. And as we hold up our lives to His, we'll be prompted to be humble by comparison, and we'll also be prompted to be thankful as we come to understand that we're being made like Him. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, In that passage, it tells us, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We're being made like Christ. And when we look at what Scripture tells us about who Christ is, what He's done, and what He looks like, Think about some of the things that Jesus did just during the course of his earthly ministry. We know that Jesus went without what was his to make us rich with his righteousness. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Scripture also tells us that Jesus humbled himself and became a servant. In Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's what Jesus did for us. And if we're tempted to compare ourselves to anyone, he's the standard of measurement and comparison that we should be comparing ourselves to. Not to one another. We're all at different seasons of life. We're all at different stages of this journey. We're all at different phases of our spiritual maturity. You're not the standard I should be comparing myself by. I'm not the standard you should be comparing yourself by. Christ is our standard of measurement and comparison, and his power is transforming us so that we resemble him more and more, not in our own strength, but in his power. And that was something Paul was trying to convey to the church at Corinth. One other thing that he was seeking to convey in this passage that we would also do well to apply to our lives is the idea of choosing to be part of the greater mission. Look at what it says in verse 15 down to verse 18. It says, We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Everyone wants to feel like their life counts for something. Everyone wants to feel like they matter, and the truth is, we do matter. Our lives do count. But to gain a sense of what they're supposed to count for, it's vital to understand our greater mission on this earth. Paul understood the greater mission, and he was inviting the church to understand it as well. Instead of having to spend precious time focusing on addressing immaturity in the church, Paul wanted the Corinthians, and all believers for that matter, to value... The sharing of the gospel. His desire was that their faith would increase, their support of their spiritual leadership would increase, and that they would join their leaders in making the gospel known in lands beyond them one city over from theirs, one country over from theirs, one continent over from theirs, and beyond. And this is the greater mission of our lives as well. Some Christians have been blessed with a deep sense of this. And other Christians need some encouragement to come and join the party. But if you're saved, you were not saved by accident. This is the mission or the work God has designed you for. Think about what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what Scripture tells us. That's what it reveals to us about our mission. We've been prepared for it. We've been designed for it. It's been part of God's plan from eternity past. And this mission begins in your life as you practice preaching the gospel to your own heart. And then it continues as you remind and share the gospel with your spouse and with your children. And it continues in your extended family and your neighborhood and your workplace and wherever in this world God, in his sovereignty, allows you to visit or have a voice of influence. Oswald Chambers once said this. He said, The thing that makes a missionary is the sight of what Jesus did on the cross. And to have heard him say, Go! Daniel Niles once said, Evangelism is witness. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. That's what Christ has called us to do. So use your authority and your influence to build others up. Measure yourself by the standard of Christ and choose to be part of God's greater mission for your life. That's what it looks like to live and to lead with hope in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this portion of Scripture today. And we're thankful, Lord, for the fact that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you can give us and you do give us insight into your Word. Lord, we know that these would just be words on a page to us if it wasn't for the power of your Holy Spirit working in us and through us to help us understand what you're communicating. So, Lord, we're grateful for that. We're grateful that by Your grace, we have the privilege to look at Your Word, meditate on it, and apply it to our lives. And we pray, Lord, that our lives would reflect the teaching of this portion of Scripture, that we would learn to lovingly lead and live with hope in Christ, that every day that we live would be a day that we put Your Son, Jesus Christ, at the forefront of our minds and our lives, and that we live empowered by His strength and not relying on our own strength. We're not comparing ourselves to other people, but recognizing that Christ is the standard by which all lives are measured. We're grateful, Lord, for the revelation of your word, that you've given it to us, that you help us to understand it, and we pray, Lord, now for your wisdom, insight, and strength to live it out throughout the course of this day, this week, and really throughout the course of our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Informal Bible Study. Like I mentioned at the start of the show, we'd invite you to visit us at pastor.us. You could sign up for our newsletter, Today's Investment in Your Growth, if you want to receive some encouragement in your inbox during the course of the week. We also have the book, The Last Lecture of Jesus, free to download at pastor.us. And I want to give one more plug for my wife's podcast, no mom is an island that's what it's called no mom is an island definitely check it out uh it's something that mothers you'll definitely love and dads i'm certain that you'll enjoy it as well so that's it for us today thanks again for listening and we hope you have a wonderful week see you next monday or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe.